Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Good morning, Elevate Church. Well, you look good. You guys look good. And a quick shout out to all those listening on our podcast uh, this week. Uh, we, uh, last month, just to uh, catch you up, uh, India, the country of India, entered our top 10 uh, countries of uh, our audience for our podcast. So welcome to those new listeners from India. Great to have you joining us. Fantastic. Fantastic. Here's a question. Who here likes being bossed around? Yeah, I know. I knew the answer before I asked it. Of course, there's something in us that doesn't like being bossed around. And here's the thing. You, as parents, you discovered this very early on when you became a parent because one of the first words that Junior uttered to you is no. And when Junior said no to you, Junior was trying to get the message across to you, you're not the boss of me. And you decided in that moment, I am going to spend every waking hour of my time with Junior under my roof, reminding him just how wrong he is. Buddy, I am the boss of you. And here's the thing. It comes out very early on in our life, and I'm not sure we ever shake it. I know this from firsthand experience. When I ask Louis, now that's Louis, my wife, not my daughter, Louis, my wife, when I ask her to do something that she seemingly doesn't want to do, she indignantly tells me, You're not the boss of me. Which is true. And I wonder how many of us, even if we maybe haven't stated it or fully realized it, I wonder how many of us have kind of set ourselves with a little bit of a a mission to get to a place in life where people can't boss us around, where we might have enough money to do what we want and nobody can tell us what we can't do with it, maybe have enough free time that we can just choose to do whatever we want to do, maybe have enough power that not only can we do what we want to do, but we can make others do what we want to do. Now, that sounds like fun. And then we see people who have kind of got to that space. Maybe they've got enough money and, or power or time, and, and, and they're, they're the boss of them. And you think, boy, that would be great, living the dream. And then you read a headline. And I wonder how many of you have done this. You read a headline about one of those people, and, and the, head, the reason the headline made it to the headlines is because that person did something stupid. And I wonder if, if when you've read that, you've thought to yourself, how in the world could you be so stupid? I mean, you've got all of that money or all of that power, all of that time, and why did you make such a stupid decision? And then you say to yourself, or you might not say it, but really you're saying it. If I was in that position, I'd never make that mistake. And the next day, one of your friends asks you about something you did or something you said, and they go, What made you say that? 
What made you do that? And I'll tell you the answer. You may not have been honest with yourself or honest with your friend, but I'll tell you the answer. The reason you did that dumb thing, the reason you said that dumb thing, and the reason that person with the money and the power did or said that dumb thing is because you gave yourself advice. You suggested to yourself something dumb, and yourself listened to yourself. And the problem with giving advice to ourselves is it's never 100% objective. It is always tainted by who we are. And who we are is always informed by things upstream. And one of the things that drives our decision making, one of the the things that drives our advice giving is our emotions. And unfortunately, you and I have some upstream emotions that aren't that good for us. And when they give us advice, they don't always give us good advice. And when we choose to listen to that advice, dumb things happen. Dumb things get said. Toxic emotions lead to toxic decision-making, which leads to toxic words and toxic actions. It's no surprise. So the next time your friend says to you, why did you do something so stupid? You say to them, it's simple. I listened to me. There's things upstream like guilt. There's things upstream like envy. Ah, I mean, come on. Someone that had something that you didn't have and then they lost it and you thought to yourself, (laughs) there's anger upstream for some of you. There's fear upstream for some of you and Emotions like this are competing for control of you. And so what we're doing in this series, the big idea for this series, the series is called You're Not the Boss of Me, is simply this, how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. Let me put this up. This is the big idea. I'm going to repeat this endlessly throughout this series, how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. Or let me translate that into millennial speak. Take hold of the feels or the feels will take hold of you. All right, good. Now we're all on the same page. If you've got our app, I want to take us to a little slice of Jesus' life. You can tap on the Bible tile down in the bottom left. And this is recorded by Matthew. Matthew's one of Jesus' uh, 12 merry men, one of his closest disciples. And he, he recorded a lot of what happened in Jesus' time on earth. And the backstory of this is, is that we're going to look at is actually an, an interaction with Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. And so Matthew's recorded that. And if you don't know much about Jesus, you, you might think he was a religious leader of the day. And, and you might think if Jesus was having an interaction with the re- Jewish religious leaders of the day, it, w- it would have been all like sunshine and unicorns. But let me tell you, most of the interactions that the religious leaders had with Jesus were an arm wrestle. And this was no exception. Because the Jewish religious leaders, they had the power in that culture, they had the power in that place, and Jesus was becoming a bit of a rock star. 
And in becoming a bit of a rock star, he started to have growing influence, and they didn't like that. They saw him as a threat, and so they went after him time and time again. And here is another example. So Matthew recorded this little slice of interaction. After that, and you can read what happened before to know what this is after, the Pharisees, the religion scholars, came to Jesus all the way from Jerusalem. Now get this, just, just highlight this. They came to Jesus all the way from Jerusalem. They were targeted him, okay? They, weren't just, they just happened to be where Jesus was. No, they came to him. That's indicative of their position for Jesus. In this case, criticizing. Why do your disciples play fast and loose with the rules? All right. Turn your big brains on. I'm going to take you to Bible college. Okay, we're all here? All right. Class, begin. There's a guy named Moses. Probably you heard of him. He was called by God to go up a mountain, went up the mountain. He came down with two iPads, and on each iPad, there was five things that were written. And they are what we now call, even probably unchurched people know this, the Ten Commandments. Okay, they were God's written Commands. Now, that's fine. Nobody disputed that. Nobody disputed that they came from God. Nobody disputed that they were true. Nobody even disputed that they were a good idea. Good idea. Don't kill people. Yeah, all right. Sounds about, yeah, okay. I can get a ball with that. That was one of them. But then the religious leaders, they started adding to that. In fact, they tried to convince people that when Moses got to the bottom with the two iPads, he put them down and everyone went, wow, the Ten Commandments, better live like that. Sounds like anything better than I could have come up with. Plus, they told people, plus there was a lot of stuff that God didn't get around to writing down. <laughs> and, 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 but, but it still happened and it's still true and we have to still do it. So what, what they ended up with is this system where we had God's written laws and then God's spoken rules, all right? So in this case, the Pharisees and the religion scholars, they weren't coming at Jesus because his disciples broke one of the Ten Commandments, okay? This is very important. They were coming at him because his disciples broke one of the rules. In fact, we would probably call them the unwritten rules. Now, Wednesday night, just gone this week, I uh, went to hang out with one of our Elevate groups and uh, finished, finished, finished. Thought I was going to be one of the first to leave at the end. Turns out I was one of the last to leave at the end. And I got home to my front porch at 10 p.m. Now, I'm a morning person. I don't do 10 p.m. I didn't even know 10 p.m. still happened. And I got to my front door at 10 p.m. And I'm telling you, I just had one thought. It was get in the door, drop everything, go to bed, fully clothed, contact lenses still in, don't matter. Horizontal was all I had in mind. Louis was home. So here's how it played out. We've got a, a screen door, one of the crim safe doors, key lock. Then we've got a wooden door. The wooden door's got the dead bolt. And it's got also a handle, which has a lock on it as well. I know, it sounds like we live in a, the, the Bronx or something. But in any case... So now, now I thought that when someone was home, like on the inside, that you just needed to lock the crim safe door so that the person on the outside, me in this case, would just come home and would unlock the crim safe door and open that up and then, and then you get in. So that's what I did. 
Well, it's not what I did. It's what I attempted to do. So I successfully opened the crim safe door, and we're really smart. We have all these three locks keyed to one key. There you go. Uh, and, and open the crim safe door. And then I go to the deadbolt. Now, you know, you know, you know this. I mean, you, you might not know that you do this, but you do this. When you've been living in a house for a while, you, twer- you turn the key in the direction, but you don't even think about it. It's, it's now you just know it's either clockwise or clockwise. You don't think about it, but you know. So I, I, don't, I don't know which way it is, but I turned it the way that you would normally unlock, and it went, and nothing happened. And I'm like, well, that's weird. But when, that, but when it happens, you start second-guessing yourself. You think, oh, maybe I turned it the wrong way. So I turned it the other way, and I heard this satisfying click. I thought, yes, I've unlocked it. Shouldn't have been locked in the first place, but I've unlocked it. Then I go to turn the handle, and nothing. So then I try to unlock Now, look, this, this went on for quite some time. It, it was like breaking into Alcatraz. So much so that at one point, the thought came through my head, I am just going to curl up there on my porch in a fetal position and cry myself to sleep. I eventually got this very weird combination of, and sequence of, of, of locks all unlocked, and I walked inside, and Louis was inside the whole time, and hearing these shenanigans, <laughs> and just had this grin on her face and I'm like babe didn't you hear me just change and she said yeah and I'm like yeah but I thought because she said no 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 when someone's home by themselves all of the locks get locked that's one of the unwritten rules and I said to her, I flippin' hate unwritten rules. Because the problem with unwritten rules is they're unwritten. So how are you supposed to learn them? And who makes them up in the first place? And by the way, often the people that make them up, they reserve the right to change them. And I hate that even more. Because when they change them, they don't always tell you either. Well, Jesus didn't let this go. Because here's what the... Pharisees and the religious scholars were doing, they had these unwritten rules and they used to come at people who broke them accidentally and get on them. And so they got getting on them. In this case, by the way, they were getting on Jesus' followers because they didn't wash their hands before the meal. Now, I don't know, probably we should wash our hands before a meal but not for the reasons that the religious leaders were saying. We might say, wash your hands before the meal for hygiene purposes. They were saying that Jesus' followers should wash their hands before the meal because it's what God expects. It's one of the unwritten rules. The thing is, however, they were doing it to, to keep power. The problem is, it made God seem petty. It made God seem small. Your disciples eat without washing their hands first. As if, as if God is so petty that he's going to put them in time out until they realize what they've done wrong and next time wash their hands. That's the mindset that's going on here. But Jesus didn't buy it. And he sure as heck didn't let it slide. If you're going to pick a fight on somebody with somebody... 
Don't pick a fight with the guy that predicted he was going to die and rise again and then actually did it. He's probably not the easiest target. Anyway, just saying. So Jesus put it right back on them. Why do you use your rules, right? Go back to Bible college here, to play fast and loose with God's commands. Two separate things. You cancel God's commands by your rules. Frauds, exclamation mark. Isaiah's prophecy of you hit the bullseye. This was not a compliment coming. These people make, this is the leaders, these people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart wasn't in it. The religious leaders had turned God into something that they would use to maintain their stranglehold on power. But they made him look petty and small, and they focused on the wrong things. <clears throat> so they've just said this. <clears throat> Jesus has pushed back a little bit, but then he kicked it up a gear. Let me show you. Let's go to the next one. Then he kicked up a gear. See, at the moment, he, he was just talking, just his disciples, but he's, set, he's setting it up here. And he called a crowd together. He's like, I'm about to say something that is so good that I want maximum coverage. So come on. Hey, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yep, yep, okay. And he says to the religious leaders, listen and take this to heart. It's not by what you swallow by accident that pollutes your life, but what you vomit up. And then he drops the mic and he walks away. And his 12 disciples listen and watch the mic drop and see him walk away. And then they all... Gave him a dab and, 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 and walked away too. And what you're about to discover is his disciples, they had no idea what he meant. They just knew that he won. And they thought, and off they go. So good. And later they came to him and said, um, do you know you upset the Pharisees when they heard what you said? And Jesus was like, so? Forget them. They're blind men leading blind men. <clears throat> when a blind man leads a bl blind man, they both end up in the ditch. I mean, how good is this stuff? Who knew? And Peter said, I don't get it. Put it in plain language. And Jesus said, you too? Are you dumb? Are you, are you being willfully stupid? Are you actually being stupid like this on purpose? And, 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 and look, when we read this stuff... I think, unfortunately, we kind of missed the, the vibe that was happening, the marbo in that moment, because I'm not sure Jesus was like, oh, Peter, why are you so dumb? I think it was more like ruffling his hair like, ah, oh, Pietro, sometimes you ask the silliest questions. And, and then Jesus goes on to use, I'm going to preface this, because here's the thing, we read Jesus' words and we've got somber music playing in the background and a couple of candles burning and, and the lights are dim and maybe you're on your knees and, the, and this and that. If you read the next bit in that motion, you're going to miss it entirely. He says, you too, are you being willfully stupid? Peter, don't you know that anything that's swallowed works its way through the intestines and is finally defecated? You didn't turn off the soft music. I think this is Jesus being hilarious. Like, what do you mean you don't get it? 
You don't get it that if you, if you accidentally, because you, you, you chose not to wash your hands, maybe a little bit of, of debris goes down. Don't worry about that stuff because it's coming out the other end. That's not the stuff that's going to do the damage. The stuff that's going to do the damage is, is the stuff that you vomit up. That's what I said. So, so the religious leaders, they worried about the stuff that goes in. Don't worry about that stuff. You'll poop it out. It's fine. Okay, you can put your somber music back on. That's your stick. But then Jesus, the next thing he says, gives us a glimpse into what really matters to God. Now, if you grew up in a religious setting, and, I, and whether that's a Christian religious setting or any other kind of religion, uh, chances are you would have been given a lot of shoulds. You would have been told you should pray this way, you should pray this much, you should pray in this kind of place, you should pray for this length of time, you should, you know, do this and, and kneel like this and stand like this and you should and you should and you should. And I like to tell people, the problem with religion is you just get covered in a big pile of should. Man, you're all so religious. Now you can kneel praying, it's fine. But the stuff that God instructs us it's not actually so that we don't upset him. The stuff that God instructs us with is actually for us. Because God's not that petty. If you chose to pray walking around the river instead of on your knees, God's not going to put you in time out. He's just happy that you spent some time with him. But if you forget to, it doesn't change who he is. God's not petty. His instructions are for us. They're for us to live better. They're for us to experience better. They're for us to be better. They're for us to do better. They're for him saying, you know what? Don't worry about the petty stuff. The, the, the washing your hands, you just poop it out. Let me tell you about the stuff that really matters the stuff that pleases God, and the stuff that's going to make a difference in your life. And this is what Jesus said. But what comes out of the mouth, that's what pollutes. And you know this, because somebody that you know and love and trust has said something to you, and it's hurt you. You didn't get hurt because they didn't wash their hands before they went to McDonald's. But you got hurt because of something they said. And you've done it to them. You've got people in your world that you've said stuff that's hurt them. They didn't get hurt because you didn't wash your hands. They didn't get hurt because you forgot to say grace before your meal. They didn't get hurt because you missed your quiet time on Wednesday morning. Whatever that is. They got hurt because of what came out of our mouth. It's, and by the way, this isn't even stuff for Jesus' followers. This is stuff for everyone everywhere. Because everyone everywhere is capable of hurting people. 
because they've given themselves advice about what's appropriate to say and what's appropriate to do, but that advice has been informed by toxic emotions that started upstream that are fighting for control. Your boss has it. Your staff has it. Your parents have it. Your kids have it. Your spouse has it. No elbowing. Your neighbors have it. Oh, sorry. I missed a bit. But what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. And that's what pollutes. See, religion will try to convince you that life is lived from the outside in. That if you first change your behavior, if you fix your behavior, if you do all the right things on the outside, that's the stuff that matters to God and that's the stuff that's gonna make the difference. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not outside in. Life is lived inside out. Everything, everything in your life starts in the heart. Every decision you've made, every word you've said, every thought you've had, every one of them starts in the heart. So if it starts in the heart and that affects everything, then hey, guess what? Jesus recommends we put majority of our attention on allowing him to transform us from the inside out. I wonder how many of your childhoods would have been different if your parents had have gained more control over the emotions that damaged you? And I know that's not true for everybody, but that's true for some of you. I get it. It is. I wonder for some of you how your teenage years would have been different if you had more control over the emotions that wanted to control you, or your 20s, that's me, or your 30s, or your 40s, whatever it is, but I wonder, or or even today, because if you're not dead, God's not done, and that should be great news for you, because some of you, you may still be in the middle of a battle with emotions that are trying to control you, and God's best for you is to not let them control you. Some of you parents, one of the best things you can do as a parent is become a parent that isn't controlled by toxic emotions. And not only, not only, uh, not only act that way towards Junior, but also model that for Junior. Also encourage Junior that he doesn't have to or she doesn't have to be someone that gets into their teenage years and is just being pummeled by toxic emotions that have got control over them. That life can be different. You don't believe me? Try these on for size and then I'm gonna drop my mic. I wonder if you having identified toxic emotions... And then when you identify them, about to give you some advice, you didn't just identify them, but you said to them, you're not the boss of me. I wonder what difference that may have made, looking in your rearview mirror. Guilt, you're not the boss of me. I suspect if you and I had learned that, 
we would have fewer regrets. Envy, you're not the boss of me. I, I wonder if we'd learned that, that we would have made fewer mistakes trying to impress people that God said, what are you wasting all of that time and energy and money on that? Anger, you're not the boss of me. I wonder how many fewer damaged relationships you and I might have because we identified that toxic emotion and we told it. You're not the boss of me. And I wonder if we'd got in the habit of saying fear, you are not the boss of me. How many fewer missed opportunities we would have experienced that we didn't do or didn't go to or didn't follow through on because fear became the boss of us. And so these four things that I've riffed on just now, guilt, anger, that's mine, fear, envy, I'm going to drill into each one of them over the next four weeks. So today was really just a setup. It's like the intro. But I'm still going to give you all some homework. You're advanced. If you weren't, I wouldn't give you homework. It would be too much for you. But, but you're all advanced. So let me give you some homework, even though it was just the intro. Can I encourage you? I'm not going to shoot on you. Could I encourage you from today? Start to look for those emotions that are fighting for control. And, and, for, and, and, and by the way, here's, here's a warning. Some of them, it's going to be very difficult for you to identify because they've become so familiar to you, 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 you don't even recognize that they're there and that they're controlling you. But, but, but just, just allow God maybe shine the spotlight. And if he's shining the spotlight, he's not doing it to shame you. He's doing it to bring it and put it on the table so it can be fixed. But when you identify those toxic emotions, so before you react, before you say the thing that you probably shouldn't say, before you do the thing that you probably shouldn't do, having maybe heard the advice coming from upstream, just pause and say to yourself, don't say this out loud, you're going to become that guy, don't say it out loud, say it to yourself, say it to that emotion, you're not the boss of me, fear, I know, I, I, I know you're there, and I know if I listen to you, I'm not going to go and do that thing, but fear, you're not the boss of me. Anger, <laughs> man, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know, I heard what they said, yeah, I was there, and boy, did that piss me off, but here's the thing, anger, you're not the boss of me, and let's start to learn that. And let's start to learn what it looks like to take control over the emotions that fight for control over us. I won't drop the mic. It's too expensive. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.